It's Magic by the Cars. Now, there's a classic track that really brings back some memories. It's also used in the trailer for Onward, the new Disney and Pixar film that offers a fresh take on the classic road trip movie. Opening March 6th, this fun animated fantasy explores the depth of family relationships and the power of memory. I'm Natasha Gargiulo, and this is Hello Movies. Today, we're talking about movies that'll take us on some kind of journey, either a literal road trip or a trip down memory lane or both. Stick around and just maybe we'll remember to give you some great tips that'll help you plan out all of your March break movie viewing. Of course, I couldn't talk about a road trip movie without having someone along for the ride. Marnie Wise, the editor of Cineplex Magazine, you are my co-pilot today. How are you? I'm very good. I've got the map out. Let's go. <laughs> what was dad like? His beard was scratchy. He had a goofy laugh. I wish I'd met him. I have something for you from your dad. It's a wizard staff. I wrote this spell so I could see for myself who my boys grew up to be. This spell brings him back. Back like back to life. She wanted to meet you more than anything. Here's what I've gathered so far about the plot of Onward. On his 16th birthday, an elf named Ian receives a gift from his father, who died before Ian was born. It's a spell that lets the father return from the great beyond, but there's a catch. They will only get 24 hours together. Unfortunately, the spell is cast wrong, and only half of Ian's dad comes back, his legs to be specific. Ian and his older brother Barley then hit the road with their dad to try and fix this problem, and various adventures ensue. Marnie, the film explores the idea of memory, trying to spend another day with someone you love but barely remember. And I understand that the inspiration for Onward drew on director Dan Scanlon's own life about growing up without his father. What can you tell us about that? Right. So in this case, his dad died when he was just about one year old. And that was his specific, honest and unique story. And yet so many people have gone through a loss like that, that it becomes universal. So everyone has someone that if they could spend just one more day with them, it would be magical, even if it's just a beloved pet from their childhood. Well, it actually makes me think of an experience in my life. And if anyone has ever gone through loss, I'm sure they all wanted just one more day with that person that they miss or that they've lost. And it makes me think of my dad because I lost him about eight years ago. And I would give anything for 24 hours just to reconnect with him, to introduce him to my daughter and and just, I guess, spend some time with him and let him know how much I miss him. So I think that this is a real universal uh, concept that's going to relate to a lot of people. Right. And, and from what I hear, you will have um, a very emotional experience watching this movie. Um, from the early reviews, it sounds like everybody enjoys it. But those who can relate to it, who have lost a parent, um, have a very deep experience. OK, so it's obviously going to make you cry. But is it going to make us laugh as well? Uh, I think so. Uh, think about who's starring in it. It's Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, who have already worked together. So have great chemistry from the Avengers movie. Tom Holland, of course, Spider-Man and Chris Pratt. Pratt is Star-Lord. And um, I, I've seen some footage of them recording the audio for this together, which is really unusual. I don't know if most people realize this, but often with animated films, each actor records their part separately. Um, but it wasn't the case here. At least for some of their scenes, they 
recorded together so they could banter back and forth. This is so fun, Tom. It is fun. The best part of the job was the fact that I got to do it with my buddy Chris. For any spell to work, you have to speak from your heart's fire. Oh, Loft Elevar! Heart's fire! <laughs> what did you do at work today? Tom and I just shouted, heart's fire and a Loft Elevar at yeah. each other. I'm glad you brought up recording, actually, because I understand a recording was a pivotal touchstone for Dan Scanlon when it came to memories of his father. Right. When he was a kid, a family member sent him and his brother a tape recording of his father saying just two words, hello and goodbye. And Scanlon has said that tape was just two words, but to my brother and me, it was magic. And that was the reason that he wanted to bring back just part of their dad, just the legs. It was just a bit but enough to want more. I would think if you wanted to bring just a part of someone back, wouldn't you want to bring their arms because you want to hug them? That's a very good point. I think it was very specific with the legs. They know, one one of the little details they know about their father is that he always wore purple socks. So they bring Hmm. back the legs, they see the purple socks, and they automatically know this is their dad. Another thing is when they go on this journey, they walk the legs around like a dog. So they've got (laughs) these legs on a leash. And I don't think you could do that with arms. You would have to carry the arms (laughs) through the journey. And that, I don't know, I think that's a bit more of a disturbing (laughs) image. So with Onward, Pixar really let Scanlon explore something stemming from his own life. Can you give me another example of the studio letting a director take a very personal story to the screen? So a couple of years ago, I went to the Pixar studios in Oakland for The Incredibles 2 junket. As part of the junket, they set up a screening of Bow, the short film that played before the feature. And I was figuring, okay, I'm just going to kick back and relax. I don't have to take notes. I'm not writing anything about this. Just going to enjoy it. And then the film starts. And all of a sudden, I see the CN Tower in the background. And then the husband has a maple leaf on his sweater. And then I realized that this film takes place in Toronto. I had no idea at the time, but it was written and directed by Toronto's Domi Shi, based on her memories of growing up in Toronto with an overprotective mother. Part of the draw was that it was so personal and specific, and that's what made it feel authentic. And that movie, Bao, went on to win the Oscar for Best Animated Short. That's so cool. Okay, so let's get back to Onward. Family relationships also seem to be at the heart of Onward. The relationship between the two brothers, their effort to spend a little more time with their deceased father, and their mother's efforts to catch up with them and protect them. This is all bundled up in the plot devices of a quest and a road trip. How do you think that lets them expand the story? Well, it's the first Pixar movie that's set in a fantasy world, believe it or not. It seems like a world that would be, you know, ripe for the picking. Um, So that in itself is interesting. And I, from what I've heard, the ending is quite spectacular. So you're constantly moving forward towards this ending, which I don't know whether they're going to get their whole dad back. If they do, what it's going to be like. But I think that's, that's where the road trip is aimed. Now, Pixar is known for pushing boundaries in its animated films. What are you looking forward to seeing on the big screen this time around, since you know so much about Pixar? So I'm really looking forward to seeing New Mushroomton, which is the suburban area where the journey starts. And the animators combined uh, Los Feliz from about 20 years ago. That's how specific they are. It's Los Feliz from 20 years ago, uh, which is an area of uh, Los Angeles, with this complete fantasy world where... Houses are built into mushrooms. They wanted it to be rooted in the truth, but then also balanced off by, you know, a place where you have a dragon for a pet and you have unicorns rooting through the trash on trash day instead of raccoons. 
Thanks, Marnie. It's always great to have you on Hello Movies, but you're not going anywhere because we're going to check back with you for some spring break film recommendations in a few minutes. So don't go too far, okay? Sounds good. I'll be here. Coming up, more talk of movies, magic, and memories. You'll hear part of my conversation with actor Ben Affleck about his latest movie, The Way Back, where he plays a basketball coach haunted by memories of a troubled past. You're listening to Hello Movies, and I'm Natasha Gorgiulo. If you're a movie person, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss our conversations about all the new movies coming out. And if you have a movie-related question or suggestion for us, give us a shout on Twitter and Instagram, at Cineplex Movies. The British sci-fi writer Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the screenplay for 2001 A Space Odyssey, once said, Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. On that note, we're going to shift gears and talk about a very different kind of movie. Hang on to your popcorn. Things are about to get weird. Memories are made of this. What is this place? I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you got yourself killed. At RST, we'd rebuild the most important assets in the U.S. military. Soldiers like yourself. You're the first who we've successfully managed to bring back. But improved, enhanced. With the technology in your veins, you have an army inside you. That will not only make you stronger, it will heal you instantly. Holy That's a little bit of the trailer from the upcoming release, Bloodshot, coming your way March 13th. In this film, the valiant comics character Bloodshot hits the big screen, played by Vin Diesel. The story goes like this. Ray Garrison, a soldier recently killed in action, is brought back to life by the RST Corporation. Enhanced with nanotechnology injected in his veins, he becomes a superhuman biotech killing machine called Bloodshot. But in controlling his body, the company has sway over his mind and memories, too. Now, Ray doesn't know what's real and what's not. Joining me now to dissect some of the science behind all of this is Dominic Wallerman. Dominic is a science writer and educator from Vancouver. He has a PhD in quantum device physics, which he, of course, uses to full advantage for his YouTube channel, Domain of Science. He is also the author of the Professor Astrocat children's books. Dominic, thank you for being on Hello Movies. Hey, yeah, pleasure to be here. The beauty of sci-fi, it's that it takes us into the world of what if and could that really happen? So is it even remotely feasible to think about tiny nanites being injected into your human body to enhance people? Like, honestly, this is a little futuristic for today's technology. Definitely, we can make tiny little devices that can do computations at a very small scale. So like, you know, um, the things in your computer, the transistors, microchips, those are all kind of nanoscale devices. But actually making a tiny little robot that could go through your body and manipulate with your cells or your DNA, uh, it's a little beyond what we can do today. But it's not outside the realms of possibility in like the far future. So when you're talking about the idea of the nanoscale, how small are these particles? So one example I like to give is to help you imagine what the size of an atom is, which is, is the kind of the size of the nanoscale. Imagine holding an apple in your hand. Mm-hmm. So that apple's made of atoms, right? But if you blew that atom up to be the size of the entire Earth, an atom in that giant enlarged apple 
would be about the size of the original apple. Hmm. So you'd need to blow something up massively to be able to actually see the atoms that it's made of. Interesting. Okay. So unintended consequences like Bloodshot suddenly regaining his uh, memories and gearing up for revenge is a common thread in sci-fi. We see that often. So what do you think some of the unintended consequences could be if we continue exploring nanotechnology? Uh, I'd definitely be worried about things at the nanoscale interacting with our genetic code, our DNA. Um, The thing that makes us who we are, each individual one of us, that's all encoded in our DNA. And that's made of a, a long string of atoms all strung together. If you cut that and make edits to it, you can actually start making cells that replicate incorrectly. So they and that's exactly that's essentially what cancer is. So when you watch movies of of this caliber and you know some people like to tear apart bad science in movies, what do you think about it? Um I I heard that you look at movies sometimes as sparking scientific curiosity. So can you tell me more about that philosophy? Yeah, I think when we go to the cinema, we're not expecting to get a science lesson. No, you're <laughs> I think, right. I, I think we're just there to enjoy a good story. And so I really don't mind when um, Hollywood movies play fast and loose with the science, uh, because in the end, that's not what they're trying to do. They're not trying to give us a science lesson. or a, If you want to learn about science, go watch a science documentary on <laughs> YouTube and watch some good, good science lessons. Dominic, I'm told you have a hypothesis that a recent movie inspired people to learn more about your area of scientific expertise. Present your evidence, please. So an example of this is recently I did a a video explaining the fundamental rules of quantum mechanics. So it's an introduction to quantum mechanics to people who who want to find out more about it. And um, this suddenly got a huge amount of views. And it was because in one of the Marvel movies, movies i think it was endgame mm-hmm. they actually used some quantum effects to travel through time and that's not actually something you can do with quantum mechanics at all but just the fact that they used the real word quantum physics meant that people were curious about what that was and a load of people apparently went and searched youtube for quantum mechanics and hit my video and then loads of people were commenting in the comments oh who's here from endgame (laughs) ah what do you get out of seeing science related movies on the big screen as opposed to at home or on television well i think uh there's a big room for the spectacle uh on a big screen i think that's something that i've always enjoyed going to the cinema to see um so when you have movies that go into space um just the sheer size of the screen and the surround sound and the whole experience of it can really transport you into that area where, you know, very few of us are actually going to get to go into space. So I think that stuff's really cool, the whole spectacle of it. That's what I enjoy. Thanks for being here with us on Hello Movies, Dominic. Dominic Walliman is a science writer and educator, and he runs the YouTube channel Domain of Science. I suppose you're wondering why I called you over here. I didn't need to go where a Bible went. Our basketball coach had a heart attack the other night. 
We need a new coach, Jack. And you know your gifts seem heaven sent. Is the team any good? No. The last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. Let's go, line up. You're Marcus, right? That's right. How many threes did Marcus make last year? For a percentage of 26. Yeah. Want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. <laughs> Just before I bring Marnie back in to talk about March Break movies, I want to share a special memory of my own getting to interview Ben Affleck recently about his new movie, The Way Back. In it, he plays a former high school basketball star struggling with alcoholism and past trauma. His road to redemption begins when he's offered the basketball coaching job at his alma mater. Affleck himself has been quite public about his own struggles with addiction. His father was an alcoholic, and he says that's what motivates him now to stay sober for his own kids. So it seems like Ben's been able to draw on some of that personal history for his demanding role. We caught up in a high school gym in New York City, and I started by asking him what it was about the film that he was most proud of. It, it, you know, this was a this was a role that required that had a lot of emotion in it, and a lot of range, and there was a lot that was expected from the performance. Uh, you know, between obviously his issues with alcoholism, hit the family tragedy that he endures. Um, and then the struggle with this young group of guys and trying to form a relationship with them, trying to form a cohesive team and discovering to his surprise that, like, they're having an impact on his life. And of course, sitting there in front of Ben Affleck, I was curious to know what he remembered of his own high school athletics career. So I asked him. Uh, I was never a particularly great athlete, to be honest. You know, uh, I played baseball. That was my best sport. Pretty early on, I got really interested in acting and wanted to do plays and that kind of thing. And the coach was like, if you can't make practice, you're not on the team. And so I made that choice, you know, when I was young. Played pickup basketball with my friends, but uh, no, there's no nothing special about my athleticism uh, at all. <laughs> Turns out Ben Affleck is a pretty modest guy, and clearly he caught the theater bug very early in life. So glad I got a chance to talk to him. You can see much more of my conversation with Ben Affleck and the other people involved with The Way Back during the Cineplex in theater pre-show before your next movie. And now, before I let you go, here's Marnie back with some suggestions for what you might want to catch on the big screen during March break, especially if you're looking to make some movie memories with the kids. So the first one is My Spy, which comes out March 13th. It stars Chloe Coleman as a street-savvy nine-year-old who walks in on a CIA operative who's surveilling her family. And then she blackmails him into teaching her how to be a spy or else she's going to tell on him. But the best part here is who plays that CIA agent. It's Dave Bautista, who I love. Loved him in Blade Runner 2049, a dramatic role. I loved him just as much as Drax and Guardians and the Avengers movies. He's so funny that I'd watch him in anything. And this one was largely shot in Toronto. So if you know the city, you get to play the, hey, I know that place game. <laughs> I love that game. Okay, so what's your second pick? So my second movie is a little bit different. It's Wendy. Uh, it comes out March 6th in Toronto. And then the rest of the country over the next couple of weeks, it'll expand. It's more of an indie movie. It was written and directed by Ben Zietland based on J.M. Barry's Peter Pan. It's his first movie since Beasts of the Southern Wild, which came out in 2012. That one was about a little girl growing up with her daddy in the bayou. It was Zietland's first movie, and yet it won all sorts of awards. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for the little star, Kavajane Wallace, who was only 10 years old at the time. And this one has a lot of similarities. It's a retelling of the Peter Pan story, largely through Wendy's eyes. It has the same wild, natural 
carefree but slightly dangerous feeling as Beasts of the Southern Wild. Now, despite starring a cast of little kids, it's not necessarily for the real wee ones. I've actually heard it compared to Terrence Malick films for its lingering shots, leisurely pacing. But older kids who have patience and maybe sort of an artsy streak in them, they might like this. Thanks, Marnie, for your great picks as usual. My pleasure. That's it for this episode of Hello Movies brought to you by Cineplex. Thanks for exploring movies and memory with me. I've got to go now and write down all of Marnie's suggestions for spring break movies before I forget them. I'm Natasha Gorgiulo. Thanks for listening. 